Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Because of it. So in Numbers chapter 13, these verses will be on the screen. Follow along as I read. In Numbers 13, 16, the Bible says, These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea the son of Nun, Jehoshua. And Moses sent them to spy the land of Canaan, and he said to them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be weak or strong, few or many, and what the land that they dwell and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether it be wood therein or not, and be of good courage. And bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Verse 21 says, So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zen to Rehob, as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. And they came to the brook of Eshkel and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought the pomegranates and the figs. The place was called the Brook of Eshkel because the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. Focus right now really intently. Verse 25 says, And they returned from searching the land after 40 days, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came unto the land wherein thou sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up before, against this people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And here we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we are in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. That's a long passage of Scripture. We're going to unpack it in a minute, but I want to teach this passage of Scripture to you this morning from a sermon titled, It Can Be Done. Look at somebody and say, it can be done. 
turn the heat off, the system off, no air running, no, no fan coming, everything off. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love, for your goodness, God. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Ghost, and I ask you now to anoint me to say the things that would honor you, God. Give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. We thank you, God, for every good report, and we condemn every false report in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage of Scripture, I'll jump ahead for you a little bit. This passage of Scripture is where many books, songs, preaching sermons, messages come from where the question is asked, whose report will you believe? And this is a good question to pose to yourself on a daily basis. Whose report will you believe? See, as human beings, we are very tempted to believe what makes sense. I have taught my children not to be good liars because I'm not raising them as liars, but I have taught them what makes a really bad liar. I have told them that as someone with a degree in psychology, it's simple for me, not because I have a magic ball, and it's not always even discernment. Sometimes it's just knowledge that People think in a very linear fashion. Normal brains think in a very linear fashion. And when someone is telling a story, if you've heard enough stories from other people and you've listened enough intently, you kind of know how a story is going to go because it starts here and it goes to there. And when it sounds absurd, when it sounds completely unbelievable and nobody would ever have expected that to be it's almost always a lie are you following me if i told you i stopped at the gas station this morning and somebody bumped into me and i i told them i'm i'm sorry uh for them bumping into me and they took a swing on me and i faded it and knocked them out that's believable that could happen and has happened but if I told you I got jumped at the gas station by 75 thugs with clubs and bats and chains and knives, and I just went all kung fu fighting on them and left them all in the street as I stood over them in my best Asian accent and said, you don't want this trouble. You would probably have to think, 75 of them? Then you'd have to ask me what they asked Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop. If you fought all those people, where are your bruises? And I'll tell you what Eddie said. I'm a karate man. What'd he say, John? I bruise on the inside. Now, you hear that type of stuff, and you got to think off the top. That's absurd. I don't believe that. That's too far-fetched. It just it isn't in a reasonable line of thought. See, because the first rule of a good lie is it has to be believable. And I, I'm not trying to train you to lie this morning, but what I am trying to let you know is psychologically, your brain follows the believable. Do you hear me? Your brain receives the believable. Your brain accepts the believable. Your brain looks for the believable, the understandable, the thing you can relate to, the thing that makes sense. To you, hear me, in the natural, in the natural. I heard a story one time about 
a little boy and uh, a teacher, and they were going to have a contest. And the little boy said, um, I think I can beat you in a spelling bee. And the teacher said, well, maybe you can, but you probably can't. And he said, oh, I'm sure that I can. And she said, really? Because you're not that good of a speller, Timmy. And he said, yeah, but you're going to spell on your own, and I'm going to have God on my side to do the spelling for me. And the teacher wisely, wisely said this, well, if you're going to bring God into it, you'll always win. You're not following me yet, but you're going to catch up. If we look to believe the acceptable. Now, if Timmy tells his English teacher, now if Timmy's a bad speller and he tells his English teacher he's going to beat her in a spelling contest, we know that's probably not going to happen because our brain, listen, gravitates to the reasonable. Our, gra our brain gravitates to accept what naturally makes sense. But I've been telling you for years what the Scripture says, that many times God's ways are past our ways. God's ways are higher than our ways, and sometimes God's ways are past finding out. So let's just start from this premise. I want you to answer the question for me this morning in your own mind. Does it always make sense? Is it always rational? And that's why I've told you for years when you can't figure it out, you got to faith it out. But there are people that don't do well in the kingdom of God because they want everything to make sense to them. They want to be able to figure everything out because they falsely deduced that they are so brilliant intellectually that they can understand everything. And I came to tell you this morning, no matter how brilliant you are, you will never comprehend all there is of God. There are some things that are supernatural, and we need to be able to see with supernatural eyes. Here's a story, a familiar story in this passage of Scripture in Numbers chapter 13, Moses sends out 12 spies. Now, if you grew up in a good Bible teaching church and you went to vacation Bible school and you, you sang songs, you remember that there were 12 spies and 10 were bad and two were good. And that was the whole model of, of the song. But this is the truth of the scripture. Moses sends out 12 spies to check out the things uh, that God had said. Now, here's the reality. Let, let's just contemplate some things before we get into uh, the text. If God said, go into a land which I give to thee. If God says, go into this good land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's your promised land. It's what I've built for you. It's your destiny. Do you really need to go send spies in there to check it out? See, but this is what people do. This people and, and there some of you are like this. Some of you build a to-do list on what you know you should do. And you have to-do list for your to-do list when really is you just got to do it. Some people would rather committee over it for a year. Well, let's put it to committee. God said we should do it, but let's 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 think through this prospect. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with planning, and there's certainly nothing wrong with wisdom. But they should not have been sending out spies to determine if the land God says is a good land, and I give it to you, whether or not it was a good land that was given to them. And I'll jump to the punchline, one of my punchlines today, so you can know the things that God has told you in his word. I'm not talking about in a vision, in a dream. I'm not talking about, you know, in the middle of the night when you couldn't sleep because you had too much hot sauce on your pizza. Uh, I, I, the things that God has said in his word, you don't need to wonder if they're true. You don't need to investigate 
the claims of God. You don't need to question the word of God. God told them to get up and go to a land that I prepared for you, a land flowing with milk and honey. It means it was a good, great land that was going to be a blessing to them. But I'm telling you, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And people are people no matter where you go, through every age, through every culture. When God tells us something, we can, if we allow ourselves to begin to doubt it. Will it really work? Well, it works for others, but will it work for me? Well, some people were able to do it, but can I do it? Listen, if God said that he's going to do it, our ability is, 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 is non-essential. If God says that he's going to do it, our intellect and our capacity for accomplishment is not necessary. But God told them these things, and they end up, eh, let's send some, some spies over there. Let's look at it with human eyes. Let's see what it means to us. Let's see if it makes sense. Let's see if we really can do what God has called us to do. And Moses sends them out, 12 of them, and he told them to do four things specifically. Listen to these four things he tells them. He said, see the land for what it is. He tells them to go out and see the land for what it is. Then he tells them, secondly, to see the condition of the people. Then he tells them, third, be of good courage. And he tells them, fourth, to bring back fruit. So God is always the same. And the same thing that he told them then is good word for us now. We need to see the situation of the land that we're in. We need to see the condition around us. We need to always be of good courage. And we need to be bringing back some fruit. And we're going to look at this this morning. And we're going to find out how things are going in our life, in the life of this church, in our world nationally, and in this day and age. Because if you were to look at our land, let's just take, we could take America, um, but that's a lot to look at at one time. We could take Florida, that's a lot. We could take Jacksonville, that's a lot. We could take this neighborhood right here, and we could look at it. And here's the thing, some people would tell you, one story about this neighborhood, while other people would tell you a different story about this neighborhood. I've had people tell me, oh, I heard you, y'all going to church over in the ghetto now. And I'm like, let me tell you something. There's no ghetto off Firestone Road. There, there, there's no government housing with, with, with fences and walls and bricks around them and gunshots going. Now, there's some gunshots around here, ain't there, Jimmy? There's some shots. I mean, but th this, this ain't Avenue B. This is not 44th and Moncrief, okay? This, 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 this is a working-class neighborhood, so you, you, you got to check who you get your story from. I told you all about the kid uh, that Jake went to high school with. She's from Oak Leaf, living in a bubble in Clay County. She, she said, we going into the hood. And then she posted a picture leaning next to a sign that said 103rd Street. She said, we out here in it, y'all. What are you doing, eating at the Sheik? You're out here in it. Man, you want to get out here in it, go to Jenkins. I ain't talking about Jenkins on Edgewood. I'm talking about downtown. You want to get in it. 
Uh, but it, it, So people will tell you their version of what it is. But let me tell you what God has already said about his earth. He said that it's good. So the land is good. The condition of the people. See, if you ask people about America, here's what's funny. There's a growing sentiment in America, especially among young people and college-educated people and people who are crazy and full of the devil, that America's a bad country. That They surveyed uh, thousands of college seniors, and they asked them, has America ever done anything to be proud of? And over 70% of them said no. And they went into the whole tired, ridiculous speech. It's a stolen country built on slavery. Listen, was America stolen from the Indians? America conquered the, every, every city, every country in the world, wherever you come from, was, land was conquered from somebody else who was already there. But only in America do the people that hate this country say that America is stolen land. Do you know every one of those places uh, on those walls back there, whether it's Asia or Africa or uh, Romania, all conquered somebody? But they don't walk around telling that story. It's and there, there's a growing sentiment. It's a horrible country. It's, 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 it's racist. It's systemic. It's this bad place to be where while millions of people try to sneak in every day. While people come from all over the world to come into America every year, legally and not legally. Do you really think if it was all that bad, they'd be traveling trying to bust into this place? Mm. The condition of the land is good. The condition of the people is the same as it's always been. Hear me good. There's good people and bad people. Tell your story how you want to. I've heard people say, mm, I just don't like Jacksonville. The people there are rude. Okay, well, you know, I spent some time up in New York, and I felt the same way there. Oh, you know, the people in Jacksonville just can't drive. Just don't like that driving in Jacksonville. Do you know what a traffic jam is in Jacksonville? Is, is if you have to slow down to 40 miles an hour on the interstate. Oh, Lord, the traffic. Get up in Atlanta and spend an hour and a half to drive two miles. Yeah, get, get a, hey, I lived outside of Dallas. You want to see where folk can't drive? Go to Dallas, Texas. I, I got family in Pennsylvania. They, people can't drive in Pennsylvania, especially in Amish country, because you got horse and buggy in the way. So you can tell it how you want to tell it, but there's good and bad everywhere. The third thing is not relative, though. God said, be of good courage. You either are or you are not. And bring back the fruit. Let's get into the text and see what the word of the Lord says. In verse 17, the Bible says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Get you up this way southward and go to the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be weak or strong, few or or many. So they're starting to look at things that God never told them to look at. God said, go and take the land. Now they're like, hmm, okay, well, let's, let's check the land out. But not just that. Well, what kind of people we got over there? Are these strong folk? Are they weak folk? Are, are, are these few or are these 
many. Verse 19 says, and, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, what the cities be that they dwell in, whether they be in tents or strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, is there wood there? He's, he's asking, are there lots of trees there? Because, you know, you got to have trees to build stuff. Um, and be of good courage and bring back the fruit of the land. And it says, now the time was the time of the first ripe grape. So they're going into this land to spy it out at the beginning of the first ripe grapes. I want you to determine where you are in your life right now. How are you seeing your world? They said, go into the land. Put those four things back on the screen for me, Elder. How are you seeing your world right now? Are, are, are you seeing the world as the place God has given you and the place that God is in control of? Uh-huh. That'll be less complaining. Are you seeing the condition of the people around you uh, for, for what it really is? Or are you buying into some false narrative? Do you have good courage and are you gathering any fruit. My real question to you this morning is, whose report will you believe about this world? God told us to possess the land. The only thing that can hold us back is believing the wrong report. Now, we know 12 spies, 10 were bad, 2 were good. But here's the sad reality. If you read the story, and I encourage you to, you'll find out that they went with the majority report. They let fear creep in. God told them to do something. They should have just done it. But they went with the majority report. I want you to know the majority is almost always wrong. People choose the past of least resistance. People choose, listen, if you let kindergartners set the menu, you'll always eat pizza and Italian dunkers and ice cream. I, <laughs> Seth's clapping. I got kids that eat school lunch. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, you, 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 but you, you got to figure out whose report. Are you gonna, they believe the wrong report. And they ended up dying, never entering into their promise. There are people in this room right now that God wants to bless, that God wants to move forward, that will never accomplish what you could accomplish by faith because you just spend too much time thinking about it, all the reasons why it won't work. You spend too much time looking at all the wrong stuff instead of doing that thing that God has caused you, called you to do. God told them, to check some things out. God told them to go. In verse 21, they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob, and they came to Hamath, and they ascended by the south, came to Hebron, uh, where all these children of these giants were. Verse 23, it says, And they came to the brook Eshkel and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. How many cluster? One cluster of grapes, and it took two men carrying it on a pole between them because it was that heavy. Now, I don't know about the grapes where you come from, but I ain't seen grapes like that. I have not seen grapes like that, um, but this was a land that was fertile. This was a good land. This is, God gave them this special promised place, and they saw these grapes. They're so huge, they had to put them on a pole with two men to carry them, and they brought back some of the pomegranates and some of the figs because they were gathering the fruit to inspect it. Verse 25 says they returned from searching the land after 40 days. Now, I want you to see, we could talk about the number 40 and why the number 40 is significant, but I don't want to get into the minutia of that this morning. I want you to understand 40 days is a long time. It's a long time. It's a long time to be checking out what God has already told you. It's a long time to be 
contemplating whether or not what God said is right or wrong. And most of you, if I asked you, should you really doubt God for 40 days or should you just take him at his word off the bat? Most people would say take him at his word off the bat. But if we took a more in-depth look at our own lives, there are people in this room who have been doubting God for way longer than 40 days. Not taking God at his word for way longer than 40 days. Knowing that God said to do things for way longer than 40 days. We're a church with a mission. We've got some big things that we need to accomplish that we believe God has put us in this earth to do. But I'm going to tell you something. doesn't mean there's not obstacles. But if God said to do it, it can be done. They, they, they see for themselves that this land is flowing with milk and honey. But they also see something else. They see strong enemies and walled cities. So in verse 26, they give their report. And verse 26 says, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, to all the congregation of Israel, to the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh. And they brought back word unto them, to all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27 says, And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Oh, that's a good report. Verse 27, the committee's come back. All the religious people are sitting back saying, well, let's hear from the committee uh, whether or not we should actually obey God and follow through with what God has called us to do. Let's just take the report. Uh, Deacon Jones, would you go ahead and explain to us? Because uh, we're not sure if it's a good land or not, even though God said it's a good land. Let's just take a look at the committee. And they start with a committee report. And verse 27, they're like, surely it flows with milk and honey. Somebody should have stood up and said, duh. God already told us it flows with milk and honey. Duh. God already said that this is the land that we're supposed to go into. And so they look like they're doing good. I want to tell you something. Everybody start right, but everybody don't finish right. It's easy to start a thing. It's not, it's not always easy to finish a thing. Look, look at what happens in the next verse. Nevertheless, mm, okay, that, that, that's a transitionary word. That, that, that's, that's, they, were, they were going in one direction. The nevertheless, here's the committee. Well, we believe that we are able to do what God told us to do, and possibly down the road one day we might be able to accomplish it. Uh, but once they make that but, once they make that, you know they're switching pages and going off the script. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Just imagine God sitting in heaven thinking, oh, no, not the children of Anak. Oh, no. What shall I do? And, and, you know, God doesn't say, my God, my God. So uh, I, I guess they've got myself, myself. What shall I ever do? Oh, no, not walled cities. Oh, no, not strong human beings that I created that are tiny in my presence. Oh, no, not, not the children of Anak. Oh, tell me it's not so. Strong enemies. Walled cities and giants. But in, in verse 30, we get the other report. And I, I told you, the question is, whose report will you believe? In verse 30, the Bible says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses, comma, 
Always pause on the punctuation. Read the Bible in phrases. Take it in bite-sized pieces. Get it down in your spirit. Caleb stands up, and, and it, he, he says one, one, if it was modern-day speech, if we were writing this into a movie, he would say one word right here. He, he, when, he'd say, I need y'all to all just, that's two words. It, 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 it starts with ch and, and, and rhymes with pill. Chill. He calmed the, the people. He stilled the people. He said, yeah, listen, listen, calm down. Chill out. He said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, here's the reality. Caleb is a human being. These other ten people are all human beings. Caleb had two eyes. They each had two eyes. He had one brain. They each had one brain. He saw what they saw. He saw who they saw. He saw how they saw it. They said, whoo, the children of Anak. Oh, lots of people, big, strong people, giant walls, fortified city. Uh, Caleb saw all the things that they saw. They said, we ain't going to be able to do it because Caleb said we are well able to overcome it. Now, here's the reality. Caleb wasn't able to overcome all that. What he knew is a couple of things. Number one, there's power and unity. Hey, it takes teamwork to make the dream work. And, and a, team, a, a team can get more accomplished than an individual can. Here, here's, here's, a, here's a scientific fact for you that doesn't make any sense at all until you study uh, the principle of synergy. If one ox can pull 100 pounds uh, of hay and the other ox can pull 100 pounds of hay, how much can the two ox pull together? Right? 200 pounds. This one pulls 100 this one pulls 100, 200. Scientific fact here, study it out, it's been researched for decades. The one ox can only pull 100 pounds. The other ox can only pull 100 pounds. Together, they always pull at least over 250 pounds. Why are they able to create a better result? Because Synergy says that the combined effort of a group working together can accomplish more than the individual parts working individually. So there's a team concept that Caleb's got. He said, we are able. Not this individual coward, that individual. We are more able to do it. But not just the team concept. Caleb knew what Timmy knew in the spelling contest. God is on our side. I'm going to bring God into it. And with God on our side, listen, not just are we able, we are well able. Let me tell you something. If you look in the natural at the size of our church and the amount of people that we have fed, we gave away $1 million worth of food in the first two months of this calendar year. If somebody would have said, is that, is that church over there able to give away a million dollars, half million dollars of food a month, common sense would be able to say, they don't take up half a million dollars in a year. How are they going to give away half a million dollars worth of food in two months? But as we do it together and with God guiding us every step, listen, we are well able to do it. If you look at the cost, man, we, we had some initial successes. We had some setbacks and, and some difficulties. Now the city's wanting us to pay for all the water, all the septic lines, all the dragging it down the street, bringing it to this side of the street, charging us 
tens and tens of thousands of dollars to bring water to our fields so we can build our food and clothing building. They don't want to let us build it without spending $50,000 plus in infrastructure for the water and sewer that will be city water and city sewer that they want us to pay for. If you look at all the expense of this and the amount of people coming because everybody's hiding from COVID at home and don't want to come to a church that preaches the truth, doesn't tickle ears and isn't running a popularity contest. If you were to look at the number of people in our church and the amount of money we take up on a weekly basis versus the amount of money we give away and say, is there ever going to be enough money left over to build a food and clothing building on that vacant piece of field over there? Common sense would have to say, no. well, you know, there's giants in the land. There's the there's city hall. There's, there's the water people, you know, there's the septic people and the sewer people, and that's just a pain. There's the inspection. Listen, if you look at all of that, it is just too much to do. But if you realize we got a group of people with God on our side, we are well able. What about your own situation? If you look at your own situation, look at your health, look at the world, look at what's going on, look at your job or lack of a job, look at what you got going on all around you. If you were to add up some of those factors, you might just be ready to cash your chips in. But I'm trying to speak some hope and some faith in you today and let you understand if God is on your side and he told you to do it, you are well able to overcome it. Now think about the word overcome. I want you to understand, overcome presupposes difficulty. And you know what most people do in difficulty? They fold like a cheap suit. They just give up. They just are done. Oh, well, I didn't know there would be obstacles, Pastor Scott. I think I'll have to sit this one out. We went, we went a year, almost a year, right at a year having church We never canceled a service because of the coronavirus, and we never will. People don't like that. I'm on record as saying, if God told me, Scott, if you go to church Sunday morning, you're going to get COVID uh, on Sunday morning, and you're going to die on Sunday afternoon from COVID complications, I'd still be here. Why? Because I don't need to send a spy out into the earth to examine the science of whether or not I should obey God when he said to gather together on the first day of the week and celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. He didn't say, well, don't do it if there's obstacles. You realize in places like Pakistan, they they testify for Jesus at the risk of beheading? Mm, Well, we better not go to church. We might catch a virus. That what? That people are going to shake off like water? So we, 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 we've been doing this for almost a year now. All, most of the majority of churches shut down through the early months of COVID, and, and now they've all opened back up again. Not because anything got better, because things didn't get better. Not because people stopped catching it, because people are still catching it. Not because everybody's been vaccinated, because people hadn't been vaccinated. Not because the numbers were going down. The numbers are not going down. But guess what? Jimmy's saying it was money. They, they just said, hey, let's just go back to church. Why, what they realized is we're all still going to the grocery store. We're all still stopping and getting gas. People are like, well, Pastor Scott, you have to go to the grocery store. Let's just don't be ridiculous. Oh, you have to go to the grocery store, but you don't have to go to church? 
The grocery store delivers. You can get groceries brought to your door contactless. People look at this word overcome. What are you willing to overcome? I'm going to give you the answer for most people. You ready? Nothing. If it's hard, most people are like, well, you know, maybe we should table that for next year's committee. Maybe, maybe we should just put a pin in that and it, visit it again next year. No, you need to get a well-able mindset because I'm going to tell you, I don't care how big the giants are. I don't care how big the obstacles are. I don't care how, how many children of Anak or any other knack you find in the earth. There's nobody bigger than God, and God is scared of nothing. If God's scared of nothing, why should God's people be scared of it? We, we, we got to believe in God. We got to believe in the power of God. We spent all this time, almost a year, having church every week, doing ministry the same way. We've always done ministry. And, and then here's what happens a week and a half, two weeks ago. Because um, we, we hadn't had anybody. We'd had two people that I know of in our church get COVID. Both of them, Vic, Victor's here. You still alive, Victor? He shook his head yes. Uh, so uh, Victor's young, shook COVID off, still in church, using his gifts, talents, serving the Lord. Uh, Shonda uh, works 900 hours a week at McDonald's. One of, one of those people got, got her infected. She shook that off. So in a year, we had two people get it. Well, two weeks ago, oh, pandemic, oh, epidemic, oh, pause everything. Uh, Deacon Ken and Elder Jimmy both tested positive for coronavirus. Now, just so you know, <laughs> Jimmy just kept working and going on. I told Jimmy, rub some dirt on that. You'll be fine. Um, and, that, and that's what he did. He's back in church right now in the parking lot um, uh, do, serving God today. Went and got his, Jimmy, he had, uh, how many tests did he say? He had four. Jimmy went and got four tests because every couple of days he's like, man, I, I, I feel okay. Let me go get tested again. Still positive. Nah, a week later, I'm feeling good. Let me go get tested again. Still positive. Guess how many stats Jimmy makes up? He's been tested four times. Three of those, he came up positive. Guess how many people they're saying tested positive at that center now? Three of them was Jimmy Rich, one person. You look at, oh, my gosh, 400,000 people, uh, 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 a million people. Listen. When, when you got some people, Elder Keon's been tested, you ready? Over 20 times. Now, if, huh? But never positive. See, the, the, these stats are being played with, but people freaked out. And I had so many people freaking out. Oh, my gosh, Pastor Scott, what are we going to do now? The leadership is under attack. I feel good. Me and James Brown, I feel good. What are we going to do? What are we going to do what we always did? We're going to believe the report of the Lord. And so Elder Jimmy back in church, ser serving God, got, it, got his negative test. People still stepping back from him. Uh, I think he's, you know, a leper. Uh, I sat in the Orange Park Medical Center with Deacon Ken uh, and his wife. Dean and I were up there and um, hanging out with him. Uh, listen, hey, you don't want to go there. You want to catch a real disease, go to the hospital. They had about 80 people in the waiting room. All of them had COVID. They were sitting shoulder to shoulder. They didn't have room for them. They had 
uh, Deacon Ken sitting there with all these people coughing and hacking. He was freezing. He was cold. I finally had to start rattling cage and saying, look, this man's been sitting here for five hours. You got a mop closet. You can throw a mattress down on, a blow up. You can let me throw six blankets down, a lamb down on top of it. Um, we, we, and they're like, blah, 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 and, you know, doing the best we can. I'm like, I understand you're doing the best we can. I said, but listen, y'all have already said that, uh, that, listen, the man is 76 years old. He's COVID positive. You had him in the emergency room last week. You, you diagnosed him with COPD. What, 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 what else? I mean, who, how many sicker people you got? How many people you got in here sicker than 76 years old, COVID positive with COPD, shivering in your presence? Does that, does that sound serious to y'all? And everybody's like, well, you know, Pastor Scott, we're praying for Deacon Ken because, um, you know, he's old. Well, yeah, he's old. He's having some health problems. He has multiple comorbidities. Yeah, he's got multiple comorbidities. Uh, uh, he's probably, mm, well, this could be the, the end. It could be the end for you. You could, you could have a blood vessel bust in your head today while you're taking a nap on Sunday afternoon, and that'd be a wrap. Don't walk in fear over this stuff. So now, obviously, I, I love Deacon Ken, and 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 me and my sister, we're we're praying, and the whole church is praing. Everybody, and and Elder Jimmy, closest friend in life, and, and, and praying for him. And now, Jimmy's back in church, and they they put. Now, if you've ever seen uh, Deacon Ken, Deacon Ken don't walk real fast on a good day. So they 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 decide, you know, with his with his COPD. And his age and COVID positive. Uh, oh, not only that, uh, add something. Pneumonia. Five hours in the waiting room. Pneumonia, COPD, COVID positive, 70. Now, listen, if you believe the report of, of the, of the uh, news, if you believe what CNN is saying, oh, if your 76-year-old loved one with COPD, pneumonia, uh, and, and COVID goes into the hospital and gets put on oxygen because they ended up putting him on oxygen. Uh, well, that's a rat boy, you know. Once, uh, uh, uh. Listen, when was it, yesterday? Yesterday, they put Deacon Ken Huff on a, uh, a physical, I don't even what did you say they call it? An exertion test. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, he get exerted just, you know, walking up these steps. They put him on a six-minute Physical exertion test. Now, here he is, 76 years old. There's giants in his land. There's trouble. There's some things to overcome right now. He's 76 years old. That's an age issue. He's frail. That's a health issue. He's got pneumonia. He's got COPD, and he's test positive for coronavirus. These geniuses at the Orange Park Medical Center want to get this man up out of bed and put him into a six-minute exertion test, which he passed with flying colors, got his paperwork, and they sent him home. Well, Pastor Scott, I, uh, you know, Deacon Ken may not leave the Orange Park Medical Center. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you what. You want to know when you're going to be taken off this planet? When it's your time. When God says it's your time. Everything else you need to understand, we are well able to overcome it. Now, that don't mean that everybody's going to live forever because everybody's not going to live forever. But I want to tell you this in front of God, the devil, and everybody listening. I'm so excited that Ken Huff got up off that bed and walked into the parking lot and drove home to his house in Middleburg, slept in his bed again. What am I telling you? 
Don't look at the way it looks in the natural. There's no way in the natural you're putting all those factors together. Go ahead and ask, go ahead and ask Dr. Fauci, uh, Mr. Grouchy. Go ahead and ask any of them. If my 76-year-old uncle goes into the hospital, corona, uh, wait, wait, frail, thin, health issues, multiple comorbidity, COPD, pneumonia, uh, all, all these other things, they, they have to put him on oxygen because his oxygen level is so low. What are his mor mortality chances? Oh, it's grim. Oh, it's disastrous. The statistics would bear out trouble. I want to tell you something. No matter what it looks like to the human eye, God is greater. They said we're well able to possess it. That's the kind of people we need here. We need some people with a mindset that says we're on God's table. We're well able to do what God told us to do. Stop looking at the giants in the land. Stop looking at the obstacles. The word overcome presupposes that there's difficulty. The Bible says we are overcomers. That means there's going to be struggle. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be some obstacles. Uh, Dean was excited yesterday because not only we got the good news, uh, we got uh, Elder Jimmy test negative. Uh, Dean Ken uh, got sent home passing his, um, what do you call it, exertion test. Put that man through an exertion test. Shame on them. And for the first time in three and a half months, um, my son was able to call me on his phone through FaceTime, and I got to put my eyes on my son yesterday. <laughs> so he got off the phone with me, and he, he called his aunt, Dina. Uh, that, uh, that word's so ridiculous. People say aunt. I don't know how you get aunt out of A-U-N-T. Uh, I don't know how you get aunt T out of that same spelling. Uh, but you got all these different, uh, Jake, to Jake, that's his aunt, Dina, and she got to see him as so Dina called. You know, it's just been such a good day. And I was rejoicing with her on the phone. But I'm going to tell you something, no matter how much you have to overcome, no matter what the report is on the other side, I've been hearing all these people, they put me in this Marine Corps parents.com group. And they send me all these, all these, Emails every day, all these texts every day. I just haven't seen my son in forever. And all, all these moms on there just crying. I just need to talk to my baby. I've gotten a letter in four days, and I can't breathe. And, and oh, my Lord, this crucible. And, I, and all, this, all this constant freaking out, freaking out, and hearing all these other parents coming on there saying, you know when my first Marine Corps child went through, uh, <laughs> Daryl's got a couple Marine Corps kids that went through too, um, and they're like, it was, it was discouraging because they sent home this brainwashed zombie that, that sat up straight at the dinner table and wouldn't laugh at my jokes anymore. And so they got all these parents thinking that Marine Corps is going to brainwash their kids and turn them into these little robotic zombies. And Jake's sitting on the sidewalk talking to me on FaceTime, chewing on Swedish fish and playing with his hat like he was nine years old. <laughs> He's still the same kid. What, what am I saying? No matter what life throws at you, no matter what the rest of the world is saying is going on, no matter what it looks like in the natural, if God said that it's for you, it's for you. If God said to do it, you can do it. If God said to go, you can go. These people did not believe what Caleb said, though, but we need some well-able, mindseted people. Verse 31 says, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able. 
to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. If you measure what you have to accomplish in your life by natural standards, you will not accomplish anything supernatural. And I can't speak for you, but I'm telling you for me, I'm tired of just being able to do what is able to be done in the natural. I want to see our church do what can only be done in the supernatural. I'm tired of being able to only accomplish what we are strong enough to get done. I want to see to God's glory some things get done that we should shouldn't be able to get done. Listen, one person said it this way. If your dreams seem accomplishable to you, you got a small vision and a small dream. Your dreams ought to be so big, listen, that it take God to get them done. These people said, no, man, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. Verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children. A minute ago, it was a good land. A minute ago, it was flowing with milk and honey. But now that there's a possibility that it might, listen, cost them something, these cowards are like, mm, we better go back there and tell them we can't do this because if we go in there, some of us are going to get hurt. Oh, well. Some of us might die in the process. Oh, well. As long as the team wins, somebody's got to listen. Take one for the team. Somebody's got to be willing to say, you know what? We can get this done. And they said, nope, not us. They brought, now they bring up an evil report of this land, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. They were there for 40 days. Who'd they see get eaten by the land? Oh, it, the land just gobbles people up. It just, you know, grows teeth at night and chews on people. No, they're making stuff up. They're making it worse than it is. And if you listen to the natural report, things always sound worse than they really are. All, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stat. There wasn't one short person in the room. Everybody was of great stature. All, all, all the people that you saw were men. Wasn't no women, wasn't no children. Everybody was just giants in there. Exaggeration. Listen, if you start looking at the obstacles, if you start looking at what you have to overcome, if you concentrate on the difficulty ahead of you, then you won't be able to see the God who reigns over you, and things will look worse than they really are. Verse 33, they said, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. They're like, man, these people are giants. They're not just giants. They're the sons of a How do you know who they're the? Did you go and do a survey? Did you have 23 and me with you? Did you do DNA on all these people? Did you sit down with them and discuss with them where exactly did you come from? No, you're just making stuff up. And this is what your mind will do to you. Mm, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm holding on, but I don't know for how long. Making stuff up. They, they, not just are they giants, they're the sons of Anak. Them some bad boys. That, that which come from, they're not just giants, they come from giants. They're people as giants. They came down from, they, they've always been bigger and badder and better than us. Listen, all that's in the natural and you're overblowing it. It says, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. Oh, they made you feel small? You need to watch Coach Carter. You don't even need to watch the whole movie. YouTube, 
YouTube that section in Coach Carter where, where Coach Carter tells that young man, the, 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 the world is not served by you playing small. Stop, stop thinking that you're so small that you can't accomplish something big. You're not helping anybody, including yourself. They said we, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. Did God call them grasshoppers? He did not. God called them his own peculiar treasure. God called them his special people. God called them his chosen ones. And God says, I have given this to you for an inheritance. And they're like, we're nothing. Who told you you were nothing? I don't care who it was, it wasn't God. Stop seeing yourself as small. The world is not served by you playing small. And then they go into this. Not only were we like grasshoppers on our own site, that's how we were in their site. How do you know that? Did you take inventory on them? Did you sit down and ask them, excuse me, sir, Mr. Giant, Mr. Son of a Giant, Grandson of a Giant, Great Grandson of a Giant, uh, Mr. Anak, uh, you look like you come from the Anakians. Uh, let me just ask you, when you see the 12 of us, do we look like uh, elephants, zebras, lions, tiger bears, um, rodents, monkeys, mice? Uh, do we look like uh, otters? Do we look like dolphins? Or do we look like grasshoppers? Oh, grasshoppers. Thank you, sir. And you, sir, over here, miss. Did you survey these people? You're like, well, we, we were small, and, and, and we felt like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and that's how we look to them, too. Stop imagining how you look to people. Stop imagining how you look to people. I, it, it's just crazy. You got people who are like, mm, I know what they're thinking when they see me. Really? Did you survey them? No, but I know. No, you let yourself in your mind think things that you don't have any capacity to know. There's like, mm, we can't fight them. They're bigger than us. Well, I thought God was on your side, but they're bigger than us. But I thought God was on your side, but we're small. But I thought God was on your side, but they're strong. But I thought God was on your side. Are they bigger than your God? Are they stronger than your God? See, you got you to stop trying to figure out how big the, the problem are and concentrate on how big your God is. They, because your mind and others around you will always cause you to exaggerate the problem. You see through the natural eyes. So, so there we have it, two reports. One says they can have it. The other says we can't. One says that they're able. The other says that we're not. One says that, 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 that we can get it done. The other says, no, it's too hard. That's the same choice we have today. God has given us promises to lay hold of but there's always problems in the way. We've got strong enemies. We've got walled cities. We've got giants. There's difficulties all around us. The, pro, the, 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 the choice is whose report are you going to believe? I want you to know we do have a strong enemy. They had strong enemies. They had walled cities. They had giants. We've got strong enemies. 1 Peter 5, 8 says your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's a strong enemy. Uh, he didn't say your adversary... As, as a tiny mouse scurries around in, in hidden places, fearful. No, our, our, our enemy is strong and is a lion. The, 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 the Bible says it's scared of nobody and turns away from nothing. Our adversary, the devil, is a strong adversary. But I want to tell you something. He, he is a, a easy-to-figure-out adversary. He looks for those ones that he may devour. Now, if he's seeking who he may devour, I want you to tell me, if he may devour some, what does that tell you about others? He can't devour them. 
He cannot devour everyone. Why? Because the lion has a predictable behavior. The lion has a predictable behavior that is not necessary, but it is predictable and it is consistent. A lion can outrun most of its prey. A lion is stronger than all of its prey. And a lion can win in a fight against everything that it preys on. That's why its prey is its prey. But the lion has a predictable behavior. It crouches and it hides and it waits in the cut. And it watches. And it doesn't jump on the strong zebra, even though the strongest zebra is no match for the lion. It doesn't jump on the zebra in the middle of the pack, although it could just jump up and dive and grab one each, one in each paw and one by the mouth. What the lion does, it hides and it waits for a weak zebra to separate from the herd, to get off limping by itself, that's the one that the lion attacks. God said that you got a strong enemy, but he works like a lion. And I want to tell you something. It's when you get weak in your faith that you are able to be devoured by the devil. Not just when you get weak in your faith, but when you start to separate from the pack. You are devourable. When you stop surrounding yourself with other strong believers and you get off on an island to yourself and you start uh, believing the pity party, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, guess I'll eat some worms, first bite the heads off, then suck the guts out, see how they wiggle and squirm. When you start believing gloom, despair, and agony on me, when you start buying into nobody loves me, nobody understands me, nobody's got it as bad as I've got it no they don't know me nobody cares about when you start separate you become devourable but I want to tell you something there's a way that you can keep yourself from being devoured you get yourself in the middle with a group of strong people on the outside of you and they can't get to you that's how I'm gonna do it man if if, if the horde is coming for me I'm going to line up a bunch of y'all, circle up, round up around me. They got to come through you to get to me. And you ought to live like that as a believer. Make them take on the whole army of God. Don't separate yourself from the people of God and say, hey, I'm over here. No, they had a strong enemy. We got a strong enemy. But we got a stronger God. Can you say amen? In 1 John 4, 4, the Bible says, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Do you believe God is stronger than the devil? Then stop walking around. Well, the devil's attacking. Well, the devil's coming at me. Well, the the devil's messing with my finances. Stop looking at what the devil is doing and start looking at how big God is. Romans 8.37 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. They had walled cities. Walled cities represent big problems. We got big problems too. And if you look on your problems, you get depressed. Listen. If you only serve God when you feel great, (laughs) you're always going to have an excuse not to. Well, there there are people all over the world today that decided, "Hmm, you know, I'm a little tired. I think I'll sleep in. uh, You know, I probably need the rest. Everybody needs the rest. We all could have slept in today. I want to throw my phone across the room when it went off this morning. Lord, I've been asleep for 80 minutes. Time to get up. If you only, well, I think, I think. Is that my back? You know what? My back's not feeling perfect today. I think I'll stay home. I think my sciatica might be going to act. You know, it might rain. Maybe we ought to stay home. If you look for reasons not to, you're always going to find reasons not to. There's always problems. There's always hurdles. There's always 
obstacles. Listen, you've got to realize that God is bigger than every problem. God says he's a way maker, but you've got to be looking for the way. Do Christians have problems? Yeah, we got problems. But stop thinking about your problems and get your eyes on Jesus. Here's what Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You need to walk through life knowing God is on my side. God has got me. He's, he said he goes before us and he goes behind us. He, he, he's in front of us and he's our rear guard. He's always got us covered. What are you worried about? What are, well, I just don't know what's going to happen to the economy now because, you know, with this new administration. That's the same thing y'all said about the last administration. It's crazy that people are scared. People were scared about what Trump's going to do and they're scared about what Biden's going to do. Two totally different people. Listen, let's just don't worry about what everybody else is going to do. Let's focus on what God can do if we'll just get on the Lord's side. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know we already have the victory. We're not fighting for victory. We have the victory because we have Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. In Jesus, you are triumphant. Well, I don't feel triumphant because you're not walking in Christ. You're walking on your own. You need to get on the good foot and get right with God so God can give you more victory. I believe like Caleb believed. I believe that we are well able to do what God wants us to do. They, they didn't need 12 spies and we don't need a committee to tell us if we can continue to serve God in the midst of uncertain times, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of COVID, Chinese virus, coronavirus, COVID-19, mutating strains of COVID-19, second waves of COVID-19, scientific data or reports. I want you to know that if you choose today to believe the report of the Lord that we are still God's people and we are still well able to do what God has called us to do. Let me close by telling you this. If you know the story, here's what happened. They chose not to believe what God had told them. They didn't even choose to believe the, 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 the real believers on the 12-man committee. They chose to hide. They chose not to fight. They chose not to press through. They chose to live in fear and not faith. And they all died. Except Caleb and Joshua. Of all the people, the adults that left Egypt in the Exodus, all of them died, never entering into the promised land. They never saw what God had for them. And it wasn't their sin that kept them out. This is what I want you to get. It wasn't their inability that kept them out. It wasn't their sin or their failure that kept them out. Hebrews 3.19 says, we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Some of you think that your sin has disqualified you from doing everything that God wants you to do. Sin is not a disqualifier. Sin can be repented of. Sin, you, falling down, you can get up. Messing up, you can make right. Doing bad, you can do good. But what's going to stop you forever is unbelief. Unbelief will keep you from your promise. So my question to you this morning is, do you believe that God's word is true? Do you believe that God can do what he said he can do?
In Joshua 1.8, God said, if we'd observe to do all that is written in this book, he would make our way prosperous and cause us to have good success. I want you to be prosperous and to have good success. But it won't come through your intellect. It won't come through your ability. It won't come through your reasoning. It won't come through your strength. It'll come through your faith. Because Christianity is a by-faith religion. We're saved by faith. We live by faith. We accomplish by faith. We overcome by faith. One of these days, we're going to go to heaven by faith. And I want to ask you today, listen, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Don't despair. Have faith in God. But what about, no, don't what about, have faith in God. But what if, no, don't what if, have faith in God. But I'm not sure, don't think about it. Have faith in God. It's as simple as I've been telling you for years. Read your Bible. Say your prayers. Make good choices. Get up again and do it all again tomorrow. Get up tomorrow and do it all over again. Read your Bible. Get involved in your own spirituality, Christian. Start reading this great book. It is food for your inner person. Get involved. Become a disciplined Bible reader. Become disciplined in your prayer time. Start talking to God like you believe He's alive and He hears you. Get in communication with God because, hear me good, He's able and He can do what nobody else can do. I want you to let him do it for you. God is able to save. If you're here and you're not saved, God's able to save you. You haven't done too much. You haven't done too wrong. The blood of Jesus Christ is still able to save you. If you're not saved, realize that God can save you and ask him to do it. Whatever you're struggling with here, if you are saved, you're struggling with some issues, some addiction, some problem. It's been long and you think, well, I'm just never going to get better. God is able to fix you. Can you believe that? God is able to do what he says he will do. And he already told us he's got a plan for your life. Before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. And he set a purpose for you. You're here. Some I've heard people say, I feel like I was born in the wrong century. No, you were born right when God wanted you to be born. And you're going to stay on this earth as long as God wants you to stay on this earth. People were freaking out over Deacon Ken. I, I was concerned for Deacon Ken. I selfishly, and Dean and I both talked about it. We just selfishly want Deacon Ken to live forever because he's a good man and we love him. He's going to be around as long as God has him around. So am I and so are you. So the question is the same. Whose report will you believe? Are you able to be a good Christian? Let me tell you, with God, you're well able. Are you able to obey God and do what God tells you to do? No matter how much you failed in your own effort, I want to tell you something. If you'll surrender to God, you're well able. Can we as a church accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish? With God, we are well able. I want you to start reminding yourself every day, because God is able, we are well able. We're not trusting in ourselves. We're not trusting in our ability. We're not trusting in our intellect. See, because we didn't trust in ourselves to get saved because we couldn't save ourselves. We didn't trust ourselves to grow in Christ because we can't make ourselves grow in Christ. We need God for all of this. We need God to live, and we need God to breathe, and we need God to get from here to where we're going. And I want to remind you, as I've done, He's well able. 
He's well able. Some of you might be going through some stuff right now. We're all going through something. Maybe you have a physical challenge. He's well able. Maybe you have an emotional challenge. He's well able. Maybe you have a relationship challenge. Maybe your marriage is going through. God is well able. Maybe you got some issues with family or friends. Or maybe you're just going through some personal battles. Let me tell you again. He's well able. He's well able. God always wins. God always wins. doesn't matter what the score is in the first, second, third, or fourth quarter. God always wins. So I want you to leave here today and live every day the rest of your life knowing if our God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us because our God is well able. Pray with me. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God, for all that you've done, and we thank you by faith for what you're going to do. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us a confident hope. God, I pray that you would give us an enduring faith to believe that you're more than enough. Help us, God, not to focus on our problems, but help us to realize how big you are. Oh, you're God all by yourself. There's no one like you. There's no one beside you, and there's no one above you. There's no one even around you. You're the true and the living God. Thank you for saving us. God, I pray for everyone in this room who's not saved. Lord, I pray you'd pour your spirit out on them and save them. God, I pray that you'd fill us with your spirit. Empower us to believe you for the supernatural. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.